Welcome to the Inclusive Education Project. I'm Vicki Brett. I'm Amanda Salohi. We're two civil rights lawyers on a mission to change the conversation about education, civil rights, and modern activism. Each week, we're going to explore new topics which are going to educate and empower others and give them a platform to enact change in education and level the playing field. Welcome back, friends. Oh, you are it. sticking to it. That's good. I like it. I think as it's, long as I can remember to keep sticking with I mean, it, you've, that's going to be the trick. That, I mean, you're doing it, so that's good. <laughs> we made it through month two of this new year. We're in month three. We are very grateful to uh, be able to start our month with the national conference that we go to. And there are so many great, I mean, this year obviously was virtual again. They did have it in person for some people though. Yes, it was offered both. And yeah. so it was like kind of a up preference thing. And obviously with young kiddos at home, we just decided for this year, you know, our hope is 2023, we will be back to going in person. But I mean, even though like the last two years we've done it virtual also, like there's still so much benefit from it. Like, of course you don't get as much socialization as we used to with like the other attorneys and like parents and stuff. But, you know, it's always great to hear what other people are doing across the country and like what the courts are doing crazy or not, you know, yeah, we'll do a, we're thinking of doing a rundown kind of podcast about some of the, hot topics because they always usually pick one topic at COPA to kind of make a theme. So that'd be fun for us to share. But yeah, we're re-energized by it like we normally are. So hopefully that shows. I'm sleep deprived, so it doesn't matter. It doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) I can't act any more enthusiastic. I I will say in the mornings I'm better than in the afternoons, but afternoons I'm just like done. Like I can't think. And then it's bedtime routine and then I go to bed. So it's just like, what? (laughs) Well, we're doing two full-time jobs. Absolutely. Having the kids at home and you know, our listeners know a thing or two about that. (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, I think we say this a lot, you know, it takes a village in so many different ways. A lot of our listeners that do have neurodivergent kiddos are trying to build their own villages. And that's actually why we're really excited to have Wendy Taylor from Learning Essentials on. Wendy, thank you so much for coming on to our podcast. You bet. You bet. Thanks for having me. And as a mama of three boys, my boys are a little bit older, but I certainly know having sleep deprived nights and feelings and it's a lot. Yeah. And it's a you lot know what? of juggling. There's no mom that I've met that's ever been like, they don't like they remember in like flashes, the sleep deprivation and stuff like there's not one parent that's been like, oh, yeah, I got so much rest during that time. Like, <laughs> the rest comes after, yeah. I suppose. <laughs> yeah, no rest for the weary. That is yeah. for sure. I think nature's kind. It tries to help you block some of it out. Right, so you can keep but... having more. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Wendy, can you please <laughs> give our listeners a little bit of your background and then explain Learning Essentials? Absolutely. Yes. So Wendy Taylor, I'm the executive director of Learning Essentials. I am an educational therapist. I am a qualified Orton-Gillingham practitioner and educational diagnostician and a skilled IEP coach. I also started special education strategist 
podcast. It's I stumbled over that because yeah. <laughs> I recently have changed the name. We uh, were IEP Essentials Podcast, but felt that we talked a little bit broader. So yeah, stumbled on that one. Anyway, so like I said, I'm a mom of three. My background is in special education. I've always adored special education, supporting kiddos with a variety of learning needs and differences, and really kind of getting in there under the hood and figuring out what is the impact on learning? What is that global impact? And how can we, and I mean that we, not just singularly, you know, how can we put together a team to support not only the student, but the family. And so in speaking with fantastic folks like you guys and reaching out to the community and figuring out what is the best support for Mm -hmm. a student so that Mm -hmm. they can be successful, not only in school, but beyond in life. And so that's kind of where um, learning essentials has started from. But then my middle son is a brain cancer survivor. And so Mm -hmm. personally speaking, I had to really walk that walk that I really need to be true and that I worked with families and, and did all these things. But then as I had to do it as a parent, I realized, wow, even though I had all the skills and I knew what to do and I knew what an IEP was, Mm -hmm. boy, is it intimidating to be at an IEP table as a parent And I had the language and I knew the paperwork. So that really kind of just helped fuel my passion to support families with resources and developing that process for them and for the student so that they can feel like they have a quarterback on their team, that they feel like they have somebody that understands them, that can help speak the language and walk them through the journey. It's always nice to have someone who's been on both sides of the table. You know, I can't say that I've fully been on both sides of the table because I don't, I haven't been to an IEP as a parent. You know, I've been on it from the school side a little bit when I was an aide and, you know, from obviously supporting the parent on this side, but the experience that you bring to the table that you're able to share, you know, with parents is just so much more. It's so important because you know, you have actually been there. You've been in their in their shoes. You've been in their yep. seats. It is such a hard thing to navigate, even if you have the support. I mean, we tell, like, even our clients that bring us IEP meetings, it's like, we're not enough to be your village. Because at the end of the day, like, we're helping on the legal side, but we're not there in the day-to-day. We're not there in the trenches as much, you know. We can help with a lot of things, but we can't help with everything, including, you know, we're not unfortunately able to be there for all of our clients to hold their hand and, you know, help them with things day to day. And and that's kind of where you need that village. Yeah, you absolutely need a village to really look at, you know, and it's, and families come to us with that, you know, I have an academic impact with my student, but really it is beyond that. You know, what is the relationship that they're having with adults? What is the relationship that they're having with peers? You know, what is, you know, how is their transitions? How is their health, physical, mental? So there's really a lot more to it than just how are you doing academically? That is a part of it, but there's a lot that goes into that conversation. And so to have somebody that has been in that position, that can hear the parent, that can help them develop 
an educational plan that looks at all of those areas, that holistic view, and to really kind of source out a plan and to help itemize, you know, what are our priorities? Mm -hmm. What should we start with first? Because it's super overwhelming, you know, when it's your baby and you're coming from this place of fear and love and you're asking, how do I get my child help? How do I ask for help, you know, from the school or the school's not listening? Then I say, all right, well, you know, we need to kind of phone you guys in, mm-hmm, Amanda and Vicki, mm-hmm. and, and get some help from you guys right. to see how do we get the, the school on board and, and really kind of doing that guidance practice, that case management practice for the family while we're still doing that individualized systematic instruction for the student and targeting those weaknesses that that student may be experiencing. And I mean, yeah, and I think when we're looking at it, not just from the knowing what to ask or what to ask mm-hmm, for, I think on the mm-hmm. other token, we get so many families that are on the one side afraid to ask for it. But also we get a lot of families that are like, am I asking too much? Right. Am I thinking too much into it? Like, especially the, you know, talking about the academic thinking, well, my child is doing okay academically. So like, maybe I'm asking for too much. Maybe I'm expecting too much. And, you know, you hit the nail on the head when you're talking about like the IEP and special education support. It's not just academics. It's the vocational side. It's the social emotional side, social skills, mental health. There's so much more to education than reading, writing, and arithmetic. And we're broken records in saying that all the time on our podcast. But it's true. It Mm -hmm. is true. It really is true. And, you know, and having that, you know, I always, so you guys know this as just being pros at the IEP and the benefits of having a parent input statement in the IEP and kind of, and guiding the parents and saying, all right, we're looking at your IEP cycle as a one year process, but let's look beyond that. Where do you see your kiddo not only in a year, but where are you seeing them in three years? Where do you see them in five years? And, you know, oftentimes families with our younger kiddos are like, oh gosh, you know, I just don't want them to be in my basement, you know, sleeping on my couch Mm. when they're past, you know, 18. Mm. And you're saying, okay, well, let's start making some plans there. Or I don't even know, you know, are they going to go to college? Are they going to go, are they, what type of job can they have? All right, well, let's start having a conversation so we can start looking big picture and little picture. And I know, you know, it can become super overwhelming when you're thinking of that. But if you can get that big picture and then again, prioritize through that idea, you know, what are your priorities this year to help get you to that bigger picture, yep. whatever that may look like. And that's going to shift, right? Mm-hmm. As your kid grows and exactly. things change and, you know, the picture is going to evolve as your child gains skills and learns more and, you know, the environment changes and so on and so forth. And we can always shift what that picture looks like. But I think there's this constant ebb and flow of big picture, little picture, and to have somebody that can help you with that conversation that isn't as emotionally involved mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. a parent heart is, is really valuable to just really kind of help you kind of put into words of what do I need from the school like yesterday? Mm-hmm. And then what can I slowly start incorporating and asking from the school moving forward? And then, you know, from you guys, from your lens, Vicki and Amanda is, you know, 
what legally can I ask for? Because that's a whole nother question too, right? Yep. Am I allowed to ask for this? How do I ask for this? And really, you know, helping provide that courage for parents to ask. And then what is the right way to ask and, mm-hmm. you know, and how to do that? And, you know, I think that like Amanda had said, the day to day, having somebody that is able to, and we get this sometimes when we do the independent evaluations, we want somebody that's not just going to have the clinical medical answer about what the unique needs are. We would like somebody that knows what the child would need in a classroom setting. And it being more than just a general, okay, they need X, Y, and Z. Like what specifically does this child need? Because that helps us when we're asking the district, you know, because there is this fine line of here's the IEP, here are the supports and services, but the way in which, you know, the curriculum, that that's teacher strategy and, you know, the, each teacher has something different. And that's why you get in middle school, you know, more often than not, there's more than just one teacher that's involved that, you know, Johnny's doing really well in history and science, but not in English and math. And, you know, the next year it switches because the history teacher is now the math teacher and it's that specific teacher. It has nothing to do with the curriculum. That teacher just knows how to present the information so that the child is able to receive it. And I think that that is like the unique position that you have that Amanda and I obviously gain experience from the plethora of IEP meetings that we go to and we pick up things, right? But I'm not a licensed school psychologist. I'm not an educational therapist. Like I'm not training Orton Gillingham. I know enough about it. But when we have teachers that are like asking us how to do things, it's like, that's not for us to figure out. You need, you know, and I I feel like you would bring that perspective, right? Of like, this is how you could do it by giving examples. You know, this is how we can implement. One thing that you can kind of talk to our listeners about is that idea of, you know, you're looking at an assessment or you're looking at present levels and, you know, the team or the assessor is saying, you know, look, there's, you know, Johnny scored this on, there's a lot of talk about like what the test looks like and what the test is like looking at but there's not as much of a discussion about how does this one skill set impact the day-to-day classroom so what are some tips that like parents if they're looking at assessment and they're looking at like one specific area and they see that there's a low or extremely low or below average score in something what's the best way for them to kind of get more information as to well i don't really understand what this even is or how this impacts day-to-day So that's a really great question, right? So if you're talking about trying to figure out, again, that individualized systematic instruction, and you're really trying to target that weakness as it applies to processing memory and attention, process memory and attention that is all in a classroom setting, which is going to impact your academics, oral, written language, literacy, and math. So We have the data, we look at a kid and we say, all right, they have these strengths, they have this pockets of vulnerability, and we can develop a plan based on best practice. But the thing is, is that each student is going to come with their own unique skills to the table and variance on that in terms of what do they need? You know, are they visualizing when they read? Are they able to really understand what the letters look like and visualize those letters when they're trying to write? Do they understand 
you know, near to far when they're trying to copy from the board to their paper. And so looking at what those pockets of vulnerability are, looking at what are the demands in a classroom, and what do we think are the biggest impacts that are going to be roadblocks for that student. Mm -hmm. So if it is, you know, expressing your thoughts through written expression, what part of that is being impacted? Is it the ability to organize and develop simple sentences? Right. Is it the ability to effectively write a paragraph? Is it the ability to utilize our visual imagery and tactile methods for spelling or understanding grammar? So really kind of getting to know that individual student and then saying, all right, here's our pockets of vulnerability. Here are the expectations of the classroom. Where are the roadblocks? Mm -hmm. And then from Mm -hmm. there, having the guidance of what can we put in place to reduce the frustration and increase our academic output. I love the breakdown of it, right? And I get this a lot when we take the IEP to somebody that has like an Orton-Gillingham background where they're like, you know, it's like the phenomenic awareness and and I'm like, I don't have the expertise to know that these are the right goals. Like I'll ask questions all day long. So I know, okay, we have to start with the sounds. We have to do this. But when you're able to talk to somebody that's just like, well, if you're going to have this goal, there's like two steps before this goal, right? Or if you're working on this goal, you should actually also be working on this and this. And so it's useful to be able to not only break down, you know, what the issue is and and really get into it. Oftentimes, I I think, you know, some of these programs that they use, it's just they have just this uh, template of goals, right? And other than changing it to four out of five trials or, you know, 70% to 80%, they're just like not really thinking about it. Not all goals. I'm not saying that all teams do that, but sometimes we see that. And then when we're questioning it, we're just like, wait, why are we even having this goal? <laughs> you know, so. Yeah. And you know what? And it's, it really is hard. Our educators are working so, so hard. Absolutely. And this is not a, a, anything against them. Just from being in that position, I always felt the pull from being right. in a classroom as a special educator. And then you had the second half of developing your IEPs and really, you know, ensuring that everything was, your data was collected and that you were really thoughtful in your goals mm-hmm. and your processes. And really you wanted to reflect everything in this document to really do justice for this student so that they got the support that they needed mm-hmm. to be successful through their academic journey. And so it really does become tricky. And so again, to have somebody that knows the student that is maybe outside of the classroom setting that can say, you know what, hey, have we thought about this? Have we thought about, you know, an executive function plan, similar to a behavioral plan? Have we thought about that? You know, we have a kid that has organizational needs or emotional regulation needs and planning needs. Have we thought about implementing an executive function plan to support this student in a grander scale across all settings to ensure that they're learning these softer skills, learning who they are as a student and learning strategies that they can eventually implement independently throughout their day. 
And I think a lot of it comes down, as we talk about a lot, to the, that communication. The, you know, parents, we talk about parents often getting stuck on one thing or another, and they might be saying, you know, look, I know my child doesn't have this X, Y, and Z skill. I want to have a goal for that. Mm-hmm. And the team might already have in their head, well, we can't get there because we have to do these other two skills first. But that train of thought, that analysis, that discussion isn't often had at the IEP meeting. And so what happens is the IEP team says, no, we don't think that goal is appropriate. And we now have two people who really are on the same page about what the ultimate goal is, but we're not really communicating clearly because, you know, a teacher who's in it all day, every day, it's really Mm -hmm. quick for them to get to that point. And it's really quick for them to understand. And sometimes we get stuck in, I mean, we do it all the time. We use acronyms all the time with people that are like, wait, wait, slow down. I don't know what that acronym is, right? And so the idea that we need to be doing more explaining and more breaking things down, I think, for parents, then certainly that's where you can come in to help, but be able to say, like, wait, we're talking about the same thing. We're not in disagreement. We just need to back up a little bit. And I think if you can come up with that plan, like you were mentioning, having a plan to say, look, our ultimate goal is X. We need to do Y and Z first. So this goal is going to be for this, or maybe even the goal is the ultimate goal and the benchmarks are these two steps, you know, before, because I think that breakdown of that communication and explaining, Mm -hmm. that's what's often missing and Mm -hmm. why there's a communication breakdown. I find what has always been successful, even again, back, you know, when I was a special education case manager in the school system is exactly what you're saying. Communication Mm -hmm. is key. Touching base with parents, their understanding, you know, where your thought process is, your understanding where their thought process is, and having that consistent communication, quick, whether it's a phone call, an email, I would just loop that in as part of what I was doing in my day and just have that scheduled out. And it really made the IEP meetings a lot smoother because mm-hmm. by the time we sat at an IEP table, the parents knew I had already gained the information right. about what they were thinking in terms of their parent input statement. This, you know, it can be overwhelming, but to have a phone call and a conversation with the parents, say, All right, this is, you know, what are you thinking? What are you seeing? What are you hearing? What are you feeling? And just really making it more human. Yep. Because sometimes it just doesn't honestly feel human. I mean, you're sitting at this board mm-hmm. table with mm-hmm. a lot of people and you're as a parent sitting there and it's your baby and people are talking about your baby mm-hmm. and It's, you know, so to have a contact and it's also a trust feeling, you know, to feel like I trust somebody on this team. They have the best interest of my students and to keep that conversation going really does help that process with the end goal of, okay, yes, we do have this IEP goal. I know you're thinking we need this. Can we integrate it this way so that we can make sure that we're meeting the required academic needs, we're meeting the unique individual needs, and that you're feeling good about what we have written, the student is getting the support that they need, and so forth. Well, just exactly what you said of how are you feeling? 
I think if they just ask that, because, you know, a lot of times they're like, well, is there anything happening at home? Or sometimes it's like accusatory that something is happening. And it's just like, if you had an actual relationship, the parent wouldn't be nervous to tell you, you know, X, Y, and Z is happening, you know. And it can be something as normal as, you know, we had a parent move in with us. So it's a big adjustment, you know, and, but, you know, that's why, you know, he comes home or doesn't want to, you know, whatever. And just, how are you feeling about this? Because I guarantee you a parent will be like, wow, this is the first time someone's asked me how I'm feeling. I'm feeling really overwhelmed. And then you would know that going into the team. But more often than not, like Amanda and I are these like translators sometimes, I, you know, like even for the English speaking clients. And it's like you guys are saying the same thing, but for some reason you're just like not connecting. And, and that's, you know... We get the parents that are really mad and they want, you know, and rightly so. But, you know, it is a trip to think that it is a human experience, but like nobody talks about it. <laughs> like, at oh my the gosh, IEP you're meeting. right. Yeah. You're right. And I think, unfortunately, by the time they do call your office, they are mad. Right. And they're frustrated right. and they're right. feeling hurt yep. and they're feeling betrayed almost mm -hmm. of like, mm -hmm. why is nobody hearing me? Why are my, you know, my child's needs are not being that what is happening. And, you know, and it does sound so simple just to ask that question. And I know when I first started it, and of course, you know, I was early twenties and <laughs> probably naive starting it. I was like, Oh, let me just call these families. You know, they're like, what did my kid do? Cause when oh. I first started, I was in high school, juvenile delinquent yeah. <laughs> students. And they were like, what did they do? Like, they just assumed something uh, was wrong. I'm like, no, no, yeah. I'm just a case manager. I'm See? checking in yeah. and this is what I'm doing. And then I realized, oh, this is actually very beneficial and it makes things go a little smoother. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's a good takeaway is to keep that communication open to the mm -hmm. best ability that can be had and to break it down and to kind of break those barriers down for a parent that feels nervous or feels uncertain and to really kind of help them understand, you know, what their rights are, what they can ask for, what they can expect. And that can then translate to their feelings of what's happening with their kid. Right. I mean, I think even just opening that line of communication, I mean, everything you're saying definitely is necessary. But I would say you, the amount of families that come to me that it's November and they have not heard anything from anybody because their annual is not due till January or February. It's astounding. And it's no wonder frustrating for parents, you know, and even like we have some kids where I'm involved and the kid is failing. And it yep. takes two months for anybody yep. to tell the parent, to reach out to the parent. And the answer we always get is, well, you can go on School Loop or you can go on Google uh, Watch yeah. and you can see. And it's like, one, why is that burden placed on the parents? And two, maybe they were never given that information and they didn't know. Or maybe they're so busy and small because they have other kids and they have work and all those other things, especially right now in this pandemic. Like, there's so much going on that if a team, it, like, so I think... For some of these families, by the time they get to the point where they're so frustrated, like if, if we just had a simple conversation from the very beginning, like the first week of school or the second week of school for the start of a school year can make a huge impact, Yeah, a huge impact. Absolutely. Yeah. 
As we're wrapping up, we always like to ask about like a feel-good story, a student that you may have worked with, or an experience you know of your own where you know collaboration really was had, and and the kiddo was put in a new position, in a better position. Oh man, I know. there's many. We put you. That's on a spot. good question. Though, right? <laughs> like that's a a great question. So recently, I've been working with this older girl because I at learning essentials I do I do see students privately as well as supporting it learning essentials as a whole and so I've been working with this older student with direct reading intervention and she's in 10th grade and you know at all the multi-sensory materials and herself and her mom were like so excited the growth is happening things are starting to click Things are happening. She's starting to, her self-esteem is rising. She's feeling like she's belonging in class, her confidence. And so it's amazing. And it makes you feel so good. And the mom is just like, you know, the little emoji where the head's like exploding. The mom's like, I can't believe I didn't find you earlier. And with the little explosion emojis and just little hearts and so happy. And she like the daughter wrote on a little whiteboard, like I heart you, thank you. And like showed it to me at the end of our session just recently. And so those are the wins. And that's what we all want, you know, of what we do is to have these wins for our students so that they feel like they can take on the world and that they can take on the path that is meant for them and that they feel like they can be successful in what they are doing. And so that's what we do. You know, that's why we do what we do. You're preach it sister. Like that's basically like, yeah, like, like we said, you are people and, you know, being able, and that's why we like to have that as one of the final questions, right? Because in our experiences, it's, it's so easy to get bogged down by the bad experiences. So we always enjoy hearing, you know, a great story like yours. And also, I just wanted to, where can people find you? If, if they want more information about what you do and who you are, where can they find you? Yes, please. LearningEssentialsEDU.com is our website. You can find us on social at Learning Essentials. And you can also like and follow our podcast, The Special Ed Strategist. Yes. I hope people listen. Definitely check out their website. There's a lot of information on there. And I just love that learning essentials, right? Like this is just what you have to put in your bottom line <laughs> to, exactly. to continue the learning, not just for your child, but for yourself. That's because right. you Build are the village, right? And you are the constant in that IEP team, right? Because from elementary school, then you change, you know, to a whole new team in middle school, and then you change again for high school. And then if there's a transition team, like you have, so you are the one constant. So as much as you can continue to learn and be that advocate for your child in whatever way is definitely worth it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Wendy, for coming on. And listeners, please reach out to her if you have any questions. And just a reminder, we're still doing our questions on our social. So please Uh uh, direct message us. DM just kind of sounds like, oh, slide into my DMs. Like, I don't want to say that. So just message us so that we can answer your questions. We are attorneys, but we're not your attorneys. So It'll be friendly and general advice, but please keep sending your questions to us. <laughs> yes. And we will do our best to answer them to the best of our abilities without giving full legal advice. But you can always give our office a call, send us an email if you 
want to discuss actual legal services as well. We are here. So we hope you guys all have a great rest of your week, weekend, day, whenever you're listening to this. <laughs> Hopefully the sun is shining wherever you are. Yeah. And so, we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Thank bye. you. Bye.